Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, joined as always by Drew Dinsick, the whale capper. Uh, we're going to talk very briefly, as briefly as possible, about Falcons, Panthers, and uh, jump into the NFC South market, the very grim NFC South market. And then we'll welcome in Ken Barkley of You Better You Bet to talk about my favorite topic on planet Earth, handicapping NBA awards, and then we'll give out our best bets for the weekend. Uh, Drew, what did you make of last night's blockbuster? Uh it was a tough hang <laughs> as many of these Thursday night football games have been. Um, it was uh, under never in doubt. Thanks to a handful of missed extra points in the second half. Uh, weather was weird. Uh, and just in general, some very sloppy play. Um, I can't really tell you what happens now in the NFC South. I mean, this is going to be potentially a, a, comp, a division where someone could win with seven wins. Realistically, do you think seven and 10 could potentially be your NFC South champion? I mean, I think that would be an outlier, but I don't think it's off the cards entirely. I would say that the average record needed to win this division is probably going to be eight and nine. I think if you get to eight wins, that probably makes you the favorite to win the division. Seven and 10 might be asking a bit much, but yeah, I don't think it's like 50 to one or anything. I think it's <laughs> definitely in play. Uh, and the, the big, the killer for this is that. Had DJ Moore just not taken off his helmet in Atlanta, oh, and yeah. our Panthers, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, would, they would be right there. Yeah. For the division. They would be right yeah. there. So that's yeah. uh, that's pretty annoying. I suspect the Bucks will just win. Yeah, Bucks are four and five right now. Uh, if they lose to our mighty Seahawks in Munich, four and six. The rest of the way, there are not a lot of easy games, but there are a, you know a several in division games. So three more wins on the. You know, on the Buccaneers uh, card here could come against the Saints, uh, the Panthers and the Falcons, and that would be enough to get it done, I suppose. Um, Yeah, Bucks to lose, but boy, does that not feel like a a very confident uh, position. Yeah, so right now, the shifts after last night, the Bucks, they go from minus 225 to minus 300, which I could not get involved in. The Falcons, who probably blew their chance because they do have an easy schedule upcoming and they would have been right in it, even if they're not very good. But they go out to plus 550. The Saints are vaguely interesting to me at plus 750. And then the Panthers are plus 1,800, who probably just have one uh, loss too many to navigate, uh, particularly given they have to play at Baltimore next week where they're going to be double-digit dogs. Uh, You know what? You know what we got set up here? Two 6-10 teams. Heading into week 18, 
with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Winner takes the four seed in the NFC. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't, I can't have it. I think the Saints are still, I think pretty clearly the second best team in the division. Uh, obviously, they've stubbed their toe a few times and uh, and don't have the tie break against Tampa Bay. But the next time they play, I think that'll be a pretty high leverage spot. But given what the Saints showed against Baltimore and how insipid that performance was, can't feel too good about their chances. If I was making it better, it would probably still be the Panthers at plus 1,800. <laughs> um, they're but, not eliminated. Uh, they're not eliminated. Uh, but the issue with the Panthers is that a lot of their a lot of their bull case was that PJ Walker might actually be good because we haven't seen him and we don't know. Maybe there is some upside there. There is some variance. I think after this past month, we've uh, we've tapped out the variance on PJ Walker. He's just not that good. But and uh, and also didn't have much of the offense put in his hands. But plus eighteen hundred, that would still be my bet. All right, let's jump to a, a better, just a better topic all around. I knew better to join us than Ken Barkley. Of you better, you bet at Lockie Lockerson. I uh, love you, Jay. Ken, I yeah. love you we're so not much. Talk. We're not going to ask you. We're not going to ask you about the NFC South because because uh, we enjoy your company and we don't want to hurt you uh, yeah. on this Friday. So are you with us? Eighteen to one Panthers. Are we? Are we backing the Panthers? No, I mean, no. I have. Can I tell you? Can I tell you a stupid Panther story? Uh, I have so much win total over on them from before the season, and oh, I wow. beat the close on like all of it. I mean, I have over. I have. I have a juiced over five. On that. It's like not even in the zip code of when it closed at. I have a ton of five and a half, and no. they're gonna win like four or five games this season, almost certainly. They have a home Detroit left. They have a home Pittsburgh left. I have no chance to cash these and it's going to be so <laughs> agonizing. And it's like Cleveland week one, the PJ Walker, Hail yeah. Mary helmet off game. Like I oh, should be yeah. so good on these, even with how bad the season's been, I should be in so good and I'm never going to win a dollar. And maybe yeah. I can push some of the fives and it's just brutal. And I'm very depressed th- about it. So let's talk. I about think that might come home yeah. for you, Ken. I think yeah. I got the best de- defense in the division. So I think oh. I, I believe in the, I believe I in the pay, right. getting the six wins, but uh, we absolutely have to stop talking about the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Hashtag stop pounding. Uh, and let's get into some, uh, some awards markets to pound. Uh, and let's start with my favorite one by far this year, one where I think the market is most wrong, and that's most improved. Oh, yes. Uh, most improved I'm so player. glad you I will, said that. Yes. I will, uh, yes. I will shower, I will shower oh. the room with my thoughts shortly, yes. but I'll pass it off to you, Ken. What do you make of this market? Uh, it's broken. It's way wrong. I mean, it's way wrong. Like, wait, this is the one I totally agree with you. Uh, So basically, like two fundamental questions I think you have to answer, right? Uh, First is there have been two huge price drops on players since the season started. Uh, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander for the Thunder, and Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers. And you have to decide, like, the viability of those price drops. Like, are those justified or are they maybe not? And in both cases, I am like strongly against both players, like really disagree that both players will win the award. Now, it's not that they can't win the award. It's not like impossible. It's just everyone bet Tyrese Maxey because James Harden got hurt. Except the problem is, is that since Joel Embiid has come back, Tyrese Maxey is once again, like an irrelevant, inefficient offensive player. And it's like Mm -hmm. never going to accumulate the stats required to win now that Joel Embiid is back. So like for two games, you had a shot. Maxi shot the ball like 35 times, like consecutive games when Embiid and Harden didn't play. 
Harden's going to come back in a few weeks. What happens then? Exactly the same as what happened before the year. Like, I really I think Tyrese Maxey might be the worst bet on the board for most improved player, to be honest. Agreed. Uh, SGA is like a I can't decide if he's a red herring or if he's just going to win. <laughs> like, I can't really yeah. decide which one it's going to be. We've never seen a player like this win ever. Uh, yeah. Most improved is typically like a player we don't really think is good taking a big step forward to becoming an all-star. That's like usually the mold. It's not usually a guy who's averaged 25 points a game before this year, <laughs> making a big leap to become like 1989, Michael Jordan basically, and just going to like lead the league in scoring. So I think SGA can win. Like it is possible that he can win, but just think about the level of performance that he has to sustain for like a really long time. And like, what is, what is more likely that he continues averaging like 33 points a game for six months or that he takes like a small step backwards and starts averaging closer to what he used to average. And as the thunder tank and become terrible and maybe sit him or he gets hurt or whatever, that's more likely than sustaining this. So he can win, but just, well, I don't know why you would ever bet him when like, that's what's required to win. So maybe we can kind of disagree about like, who's the valuable bet if it's not those two, but I'm hoping that you both agree that at least like, I don't think those two are particularly viable candidates. I do start Drew because yeah. after I start talking, it's going to be yeah. 12 minutes of me chatting. So yeah, I'm going to go make a cup of coffee today. You just let me know when you're done. I'll be making it. So. I, I agree with your takes. I think SGA is a bet against right now, at, especially at that price. Um, I think the, the if you're the Thunder as an organization, you know what you have in SGA. He's either an asset that you're trying to get future capital for, even though their war chest is absolutely as full of any you know any team in the NBA. So I don't know exactly what, why you're trying to move him for draft choices, but um, you having SGA and Giddy on the floor at the same time is not good. It has not been of good positive development for Giddy at all. And I think the Thunder need to now decide bench SGA, trade SGA, or, you know, really realistically bench him and just kind of sit on that asset and see if you can get Giddy some development time this year on court to either trade him, you know, either you move on uh, or, uh, you know, you, you, you get a better performance out of him. So yeah, the Thunder, I don't, I don't think uh, what we're seeing now in terms of production is likely to sustain throughout the duration of the season at all regression to you know at a minimum what he was kind of averaging from a points output uh, over the last couple of years seems likely and if nothing else uh you know just finding the bench because of injury or just opportunity that that that's where i would expect sga to go and i completely agree with maxi as well he desperately needs harden to be out there because harden creates a lot of opportunity for him offensively so uh sj and maxi not making the all-star team not making the leap which leaves the door wide open all right, go make your coffee, Ken, because uh, I'm about to start. Um, <laughs> I'm setting so the timer firstly, on my phone. I'm going to set the yeah. timer on my phone. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'll start with Maxi. I don't think Maxi – I mean, he has a path where he could potentially win, but I, I would make him more like 13, 14 to 1 relative to the market. I just think yeah. that his usage when he's on the floor with either Harden or Embiid, let alone both of them, drops into the low 20s, and he doesn't do anything outside of score. And his scoring as well, like – all he does is take threes, pull up jumpers, and drive fast in a straight line to the rim. Like, there's no actual craft in his game yet. So, I just don't see his path to averaging 25 a game, which he's going to have to do uh, because he doesn't supplement with other stats. Shea is very scary in this market. Like, Shea right now is a legitimate MVP candidate through 11 games. He's yeah. been that good. But he's also shooting 75% at the rim. He's shooting 56% on long twos. And he's needing that to prop up his scoring. I think the precedent for Shea winning this award 
was Zach Levine two years ago, where Levine was jumped from like 25 and he was at 30 for a while. And I thought he was a legit chance to win. Then he tailed off. But with Shea, like the thing is, is that if he starts to tail off a little bit and the Thunder start losing, then he just dies. He just dies on arrival because they're going to shut him down. So let's talk about Laurie Markkinen, who has been a big shortener in the market. I'm scared of Laurie as someone who doesn't have a scent on him just because I do believe that it's a bit more sustainable um, than what Shea is doing. At the same time, Markkinen is shooting 80% at the rim. He's shooting 69% on floaters. And with that, he's only averaging 22.5 points per game. There's also huge... Uh, collapse potential from the Jazz as well in the back half of the season where, you know, that team which has the best vibes in the league could turn south pretty quickly if they get an injury or two, if they fall out of it, which leads me in a long winding way to who I think is the best bet uh, in the world across any market in sports right now <laughs> by far. And, uh, and that's Desmond Bain, yeah. who I think should be plus 150 to win this award. I 150? Think yeah, I think it's just, I think it's his minus yeah. I think this he is the guy, his scoring has increased by six points per game. He's basically doubling his assists. And the thing is, relative to these other guys, this is real. This improvement is real. His usage is going up, his minutes are going up. He's made tangible skill improvements because he's not upping his turnovers massively to go with the assists, which is always the red flag. And the big thing yeah. is too is that the way that the Grizzlies are structuring their rotation, when Jar goes to the bench, it's the Bane show. They give him the keys. He is the point guard and the shooting guard. His usage with Jar on the bench goes up to 30%, which is basically like what Shea is doing at the moment. So I just think Bane is the real guy. I just think that he is going to win this award if he stays healthy. The Grizz also as a team have such a high floor too. So what do you think on that, Ken? You think Bane is the guy? I have a... So first of all, like how much time do we have for the show? I could talk about this. I could talk about this market specifically for like five hours. It's incredibly interesting. So I agree with a lot of what you said. So first of all, I think like just for people listening, like consensus agreement, I think all three of us never bet SGA. He's a little scary, but like fits the profile in no way. And he only has to tail off a little bit. Like that's like a really important point. Definitely all out on Maxi. Cool. I'm really, I'm actually very happy to hear both of you say that on both of those guys, because I think it's now it becomes like a much more like reasoned argument between essentially three players, I would say. So if you sort last season and this season statistics uh, for the highest year over year improvement in points per game and the highest year over year improvement in PER, a, a group of players is going to stand out immediately. There's like five of them. So two of them are actually like the two best players on the Spurs, right? Kelton Johnson and Devin Vassell. So like they, the Spurs, it's like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> like They're just not going to produce a viable candidate. Vassell's already missed a bunch of games. What happens like when they're tanking at the end of the year? Like, so, all right, you have this group of five, you toss those two. Like that's easy, right? They go, they go out the door right away. Mm-hmm. The three that you're left with that stand out immediately are Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain and Laurie Markkinen. Like those mm-hmm. are the three. So like, right. I'll just, I, this is not me patting myself on the back. I want the season to end right now. I am, well, actually I don't because SGA will win. I want the season to end. Yeah, in like two will win tonight. I want the season to end in like two months. I am loaded on these three players. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, okay. I have Mark, I'm looking at my position. I have Markkinen at 33, 25 and 19. Nice. Um, and I just like, and I have a lot of Bain at 20. And then Halliburton, I've been betting since the season started, like before the season even started. I think we even did a show. And I said, I thought Halliburton was like one of the best candidates. So I'm I'm in. Who do, who can win of these three players is pretty tough. If I were to power rank them or like just kind of, I mean, you, you had a crazy statement about plus 150 on Bain. I don't know if it's that, but I think 
I would prefer Halliburton and Bain both to Markinen probably right now, just with like the sustainability of all this and the jazz have to remain like in our national consciousness to kind of like probably produce this candidate. The case for Halliburton is like, he's playing like Desmond Bain is a great player. Tyrese Halliburton is objectively at this moment, a much better player and he is the best player on his team. And Desmond Bain is not the best player on his team. And actually it's weird. If you look at the history of this award, it doesn't go to a lot of second bananas. It doesn't go to a lot of sidekicks. It goes to a guy who kind of has space to win basically and be the best player on his team and be an all-star candidate. So there are, you know, in the last 25 winners, basically there are second fiddles but there aren't like a lot of them and it's not that Desmond Bain can't win it's just now we're talking about who who do I prefer in those two players Halliburton's playing at an all NBA level right I might lead the league in assists that's like a tough resume to just be like ah like no and yeah maybe the Pacers are going to start playing worse like the Jazz are so I think there's a lot going on here uh if I had to bet a player right now I mean, it would be Banner Halliburton or both, and you can price shop them pretty easily and create a really good, just like dual bet on both of them. I will give you one thing on Bain that I think is pretty important. So I prefer Halliburton. I think both guys can definitely win. I think Markinen can win too. John Morant basically tried to win this award for Desmond Bain last year. <laughs> like he actually tried to do it. John Morant won last year, obviously, on the Grizzlies. He won most improved player. He gave the trophy to Bain and like gave a bunch of interviews after games last year where he was like, this guy should win. Like this person should win the award. That can start happening again really easily. Like we could have several months where after every game, John Morant is like, hey, most improved voters vote for this guy like and it's like well how would that influence voting it would actually be the most influential thing like everyone will vote for desmond bain if john moran tells them to and uh so i think they're both super viable i think you're splitting hairs between the two of them marketing is viable too but i'd probably have him third behind the others i think that's your pool of three honestly i think that's like kind of what you shop i kind of balked at jay's plus 150 but that's 40 percent. that's actually correct um, 30, well, what's the other Hal- percent then 30, the other 60, 30, then? 30 on Hal- 30 on Hal 20 okay. on Markin and then 10, some surprise. I'm, I would have Halliburton I'm, over Markin. I would have more. So here's, than so Markinen, here's uh, here's why Markin only 20. He's, he's not a Utah jazz player in January and he's on some team where his usage gets absolutely, you know, kicked in the, uh, you know, kicked in the, in the, in the teeth. So it, the jazz aren't going to try to win this year. They are going to, they're, they are pr- putting all of these players on display for, you know, for assets, certainly. Uh, and someone is going to come calling for marketing if he keeps performing this well. And at that point, you know, his entire role and responsibility changes and he falls completely out of the conversation. I think. I would push back on Halliburton pretty strongly. One, I don't think he's, I think Bain's significantly better as a player than Halliburton. <laughs> Halliburton right now, Paces are eight points worse with Halliburton on the floor. He's got a negative eight on off. Bain is plus 20. Bain has been out of his mind. Bain's a much better defensive player as well than Halliburton. And the reason why I think Bain is so far in front of Halliburton, and I I would have Halliburton behind Markin and behind Shea, is that the Pacers right now are projected to win like 34 games. They're going to sell off Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, you would expect. I just don't think that Halliburton is going to have any momentum at the end of the season. Also, like his leap from what he did last year at Indiana, which was actually like a 26-game sample to this year, it's not that different. Like he's increased his scoring by four points per game, but his assists are stable. They're the same. So I just think that Bain, because of the team that he's on as well, like he's going to be on a top three seed and Halliburton's going to be on a 12 seed. 
And so I think with Markkanen, at least he has more upside because I'd make the Jazz significantly more likely to make the playoffs and the paces just because they've banked this uh, ridiculous 10-3 and start. So that's why I I don't think Halliburton is live in this market. I think that it's Bain versus Markkanen with Shea as an outsider. And then I don't think Halliburton's completely dead, but I would make him more like 14-1, to that type of range. So I'd still like him at the prices that you've got, Ken, but I think he's a bit further down. Let's jump to six man of the year. Otherwise, we'll go two hours on most improved right. player. Um, <laughs> you get the final word, Jay. It's your, you get the, yeah. I, show, I get the final word. I just yeah. show you the final word. So I think this market is completely broken as well. And the reason is, is that <laughs> Russell Westbrook is plus yeah. 150 and he's not going to win this award because he's on a team that's two and nine. So, I mean, he can win this award, but the Lakers need to make the playoffs and the Lakers are plus 600 to make the playoffs. So Westbrook should not be this short. Jordan Poole's the second favorite at plus 300, which I think is about fair, but I'm very concerned about Poole with how bad he's been off the bench and the fact that the Warriors are experimenting with starting him. Matherin, plus 900, who I don't believe in, uh, he'll start eventually. Christian Wood, plus 1,100, is a weird one. And then the next guy who I want to talk about after I get your thoughts is Colin Sexton at plus 1,300. But Ken, who do you like in this market? So here's the difference, I think, between most improved player and sixth man. Uh, I think in most improved player, you have a lot of viable candidates who make a lot of sense to win. And it's trying to decide between like the three of them, or maybe you think there's more than that if you like SGA. Okay, which one do I like? But if any of them won, you'd be like, cool, fits historical profile, makes a lot of sense, no problem, right? You have all these viable candidates in this market, and we're kind of arguing about who's the most viable and okay you have a vulnerable favorite but like there's a lot of guys that fit the problem with sixth man right now is like no one fits like no one makes any sense no one uh so russell westbrook is the favorite and i i I can't emphasize this enough and you did a great job pointing it out too jay like the lakers are terrible and it's like well who cares if the lakers are terrible this award more than maybe more than any award in any sport even nfl most valuable player this award always goes to a really good team always it's literally never gone in the history of the award it's never gone to a team that finished even under 500 Forget like a 45% team or four. Never in the history of the award. Only once has it gone to a team that won between 50 and 55% of their game. It's like 60 plus win percent every year. It basically acknowledges like an elite team's performance in a weird way. And the Lakers are never, ever, ever that. So like <laughs> seems like a big problem. But here's why Westbrook got bet so much. Okay, then who do you want? Like if you like who's the traditional candidate, it was always supposed to be Jordan Poole. I have a lot of pool from before the season. He's the only guy I bet before the season because no one else made any sense except he kind of (laughs) stinks. It's like actually really problematic and he might have to start. And like, who knows what's going on with this team? They're trying out all different rotations. Kerr's playing all these like hustle guys instead of their actual talented young players. It's a weird team. What if pool's just bad? Like what if it just doesn't work now? What? So you have Westbrook on a team that stinks. No one on a team that stinks has ever won. He had Poole, this very viable traditional candidate, but what if he never has the numbers? And then it's like, okay, if not them, then who? And that's where you're just like, uh, Christian Wood? Like, never, basically. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's injured right now, so like we don't even need to talk about betting him. He's not going to play for a couple more games. They might start him at some point, 
Like that's reasonable. Since Tim Hardaway Jr. came back, his usage is down a bunch. He doesn't take as many shots as he did the first week of the year. He's a terrible candidate and he's third. So it's yeah. like, I understand why you want to talk about Sexton. I don't know if it's Sexton for me, but I am very, very open to the idea that someone we're not really thinking about right now could absolutely like there's all of the win probability in this market is ready to be eaten up by somebody. Now yeah. Westbrook ate it because he was first, like he was the first guy that emerged that everyone was like, well, maybe because no one makes sense, but that doesn't mean there's not somebody else coming here basically. And that could be Sexton for the jazz again, it has been, it has to be a really good team. Jazz have to win a bunch of games. Maybe that's possible. I don't like young players for this, but if the nuggets are going to be awesome, bones Highlands last four games are really, really good. And like, we kind of dropped him right away because he got hurt and it didn't make a lot of sense. I'm not even saying that these guys are viable, but I'm very open to someone way off the beaten path on a really good team just emerging here and kind of taking all the win probability because I don't know who should get it right now. Yeah. Those There's two guys two, to me, yeah. it's it's Brogdon and Kevin Love who yeah, this I, is the year where you can I, I wrote both down, but do you like those guys? Like, do I like, you like either of those yes. guys? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but like why they don't yeah. score no no they don't score that, points like why, why do i like them? you you yeah. set it all up ken at the end of the day you know six man of the year is at the bottom of the list as you go down and vote definitely right and so you're filling out your mvp uh, Giannis, you know your, your dpoy you know you're filling out your vote Giannis you're going again. down your card <laughs> you get you get to the bottom of the card and you're like six man of the year and you're like oh shoot which team is really did won a lot of games but i didn't give them any credit via the vote oh it's the celtics oh man malcolm brogdon was a really he was nice off the bench i watched a couple celtics games he closed for them some some nights like he yo, he was actually a really nice addition to that team he really helped them kind of uh you know bridge the the absence of robert williams like yeah that malcolm brogdon for sure or uh, oh yeah, Cleveland got the one seed. I, we can't figure out, you know, how to reward the fact that Cleveland got the one seed in a very talented Eastern Conference. Like, we got to give them something. Well, Kevin Love really, she, boy, did he bounce back this year? I know his, stat, you know, stats weren't all that impressive, but man, you know, he his veteran leadership really kind of helped bring that young core together. Like, there there are narratives you can make for either of those two players that I think are pretty strong because I think this is now kind of entirely divorced from statistical performance because, like he's mentioned, like this just that the, the, the traditional candidate is just not here this year. Yeah, I think Joe Ingles set a precedent where he came relatively close to winning, got a third of the first place votes against Clarks and averaging what? He averaged like 12, 4, and 4. And, right. I, and because he was on the best team in the league. So I do think there is a chance where Kevin Love right now, like if you look at the event sets as like a top 10 MVP candidate because right. he's ridiculous with his efficiency. Yeah. He's got a plus 21 on off, <laughs> 65% true shooting. Like I think That's Love is a chance. Yeah, and but the thing is, is that Brogdon and Love, they only win by default if there's no one right. who leaps up and averages 18 a game. But I think at the current prices, a winner by default is in the cards. Sexton, I think, is the most likely traditional candidate in a way because he's 24 and two years ago, he averaged 25 a game on really efficient shooting. And so betting on Sexton is a bet on the Jazz staying good which again is probably not likely, but certainly not plus 500 or longer or anything. They might just be good. So yeah, I think this is definitely one to watch, but I would not be getting involved with Westbrook certainly. And this is the market probably to pay the closest attention to. Yes. Uh, Let's go to rookie of the year just quickly. Uh, I think we're pretty short on this one because how much time do we have? Thirty seconds, right? Well, no, we got, got a few minutes. Any interest in Benedict Matherin? Because I think that's the only question of relevance in this market. 
can. Uh, n- no, but like that doesn't mean he can't win. You're just trying to figure out like what is the probability that he's going to eclipse Bancaro's. St- so there's two things. What is the probability he's going to eclipse Bancaro's stats? What is the probability Bancaro gets hurt? Like those two things, basically. And not very likely, really. And I like Matherin, and he's like really good. <laughs> and and in a normal year where Bancaro didn't exist, and maybe the number one pick was not very good, uh, cool, he could win. I think it makes a bunch of sense. I just don't like. Why am I betting this? That's just what I don't understand. It's it's one thing to just have a conversation with like a friend or on this show about, oh, like can Matherin win? Okay, maybe there's a chance. But just like if I'm going to bet money on something, I want to feel like I'm getting in really good. And betting Matherin at like four or five to one when he's behind and he's behind a guy who seems like he's capable of consistently putting up the same types of numbers and he's going to be the number one option on an offense. And they haven't even won a lot of games yet either. The magic stink. Uh, it just, it's just like, why I just don't get it. So it, is the, is the door open for Matherin to maybe win at the end of the year? Sure. Uh, do I think it's a great bet? Like when I bet it at a low price, never. Um, and then, I, you know, beyond that, I don't, I don't know right now if there's a conversation worth having past those two guys. Yeah, to me, it's 80% Bancaro, 50% Matherin, and then 5% everything burning and going to hell, and then someone coming from the clouds who's probably like, yeah. Jeremy Sohan. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy Sohan. Jalen Duran starting for the Pistons to go to the playoffs. Like, really weird stuff like that. Uh, Any lean on this market, Drew? No, but I completely agree that anyone at this point in the season being 900 for any award is absolutely absurd. Yeah, But that's it. Outside doesn't <laughs> right, but then who is it? No, I think yeah, but at the same time, like karma, I think excludes me from getting involved betting against uh, Paolo Bancaro in the year twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. So I will, uh, I will abstain uh, from betting this market, even though it is uh, absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Okay, that was fun, Ken. As always, of course, we went long. Wouldn't have it any other way. Of course, uh, we need <laughs> to didn't even do defensive like- player. We didn't yeah, even we do MVP. Like a, we didn't do any of this stuff, right? We need to get a proper WhatsApp group, the three of us going and just start firing off, uh, yeah, kind of every six hours new awards thoughts because <laughs> I can assure you I've got them. Uh, Ken, tell people where to follow your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, thanks, Rhett. This is NBA awards streams that go like an hour. <laughs> we've really, I think we've kind of set the, set the bar really high for this stuff. This is really fun. Uh, I host a show called You Better You Bet. You can find it on YouTube, Twitch, uh, on the Odyssey app. Uh, it's on 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can listen to it on the radio. Uh, just search You Bet. You can find the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, search the Odyssey, search Odyssey or the BetQL network. YouTube, Twitch, you'll find the streams for it live on 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and uh, and on maybe like once a month with you guys. When should we do this again? When should we do awards again? Right before Christmas? Christmas, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> well, we haven't done it. Jay, is, is Giannis going to win the double? Is he going to win MVP and DPOY? What do you think? Well, uh, this is a tricky well, question. He'd be the favorite for DPOY for me pretty emphatically yeah. relative to market as well. But uh, don't count out Brooke Lopez, who right now his stats and are no a lot Mobley, better than right? Giannis's. We're out on Mobley. Out on Mobley. He's dug out too on deep of a yes. hole. Thank yes. you, Jack. Out on yes. Mobley. Uh, I hate it, but I wouldn't write off Mikhail Bridges because they got the second best defense. But Mikhail Bridges yeah. shouldn't be one of the top 25 candidates, but he's going to be there. But I think it's it's... I would make it a significantly well i'd make it a bigger than 50 percent chance that the winner comes from the milwaukee bucks and that's the way to approach that market and brooke lopez shouldn't be 25 to 1 
like he is now because they're an outlier defense. Love it. Had all to right. ask. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Had to I ask like the it. question. Had to You're it. all good. All right, everyone can follow Ken <laughs> at Lockie Loxon. Always a pleasure, mate. I will set up that WhatsApp group for the three of us. <laughs> right. I look forward to speaking to you guys by the hour. Sounds right. good. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds? Fast and easy live betting? Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited, must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more details. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football on the PGA Tour and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Chargers and 49ers. In our Sunday Night 7 contest, Drew and I need the Chargers to win that game for our Seattle Seahawks. Yep. All right. One of the questions in the SN7 Predictor Contest how many yards total for Debo Samuel Group? 
Oh my goodness. This is super, super tricky because I expect him to have a pretty meaningful role in both passing and rushing. And I do not like his matchup in the passing game at all, but I love his matchup in the rushing game. So there is a very clear push pull here. I'm going to take 75 to 84 yards band just because I think he's primed for about 40 yards rushing and we'll, I'm only give him about 30, 32 passing or receiving, excuse me. Okay, I like that. Well, I'm shooting for the clouds with this one. I like the bigger bands just because you get the wider range of outcomes. So I don't really believe in it that much. But I'm going to go less than 60 total yards for Debo just because they are heavy favorites with the injury as well. Maybe we don't see a ton of him that he's used. So uh, I'll take that juicy band of less than 60 yards for Debo Samuel total. Okay, let's get into our favorite bets of the weekend. And let's start... With you, Andrew, you're fading Jeff Saturday, you don't believe, in uh, Mr. Saturday on Sunday? I've, I'm struggling today. Uh, <laughs> the market is so sure that the Colts are going to come out and give an A-plus effort against the Raiders, and I am just trying to wrap my head around why anyone has confidence in the idea that a guy can come in in the middle of a week he can install an offensive coordinator who's never called plays at the NFL level and find success against a team that is still you know, playing for their season. Like the Raiders now pivot from, you know, okay, well, we're not going to win the West, but we can still get a wild card if we can get some wins on our schedule. This is still a young, relatively young nucleus with a lot of people who are, the signal has been clear. You are playing for your job next year. Uh, and so I think you're going to get an, a, a decent effort out of a Raiders squad here. And uh, the Colts, I just, I don't see this winning. Sam Ellinger on the road. Uh, this is not a, you know, I, th I think realistically the Raiders need about 20 points to cover a four and a half point spread. So uh, I'm laying the points with Las Vegas. The market is so hard against me that it feels very, I feel unwell, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but uh, this is uh this is just not, you know, this is not a quantifiable um, downgrade for the Indianapolis Colts offense, which was already at the very bottom of my rankings. Yep. I agree with you. Uh, I feel queasy as well that the market has gone this strongly against. But to your point, I just think this is something that markets can't figure out. Like, this is where there are vulnerabilities. How do you price in a guy coming off the street to coach an NFL team, figuring out days before who his offensive coordinator is? I don't think the play calling thing really matters that much just because it's going to be the Malik Willis against Kansas City playbook, where it's just going to be, oh, we're going to run Jonathan Taylor to the left or we're going to run him to the right. Uh, and I do think the Colts defense is sneaky effective, but yeah, I think it, the, the Raiders just have to be the bet and you just have to go down with that ship. So I am with you there. Uh, speaking of going down with the ship, this ship might have already sunk, but uh, I'm running with Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> and uh, Russell Wilson. And I hope to God that this bet loses because I need the Titans to uh, to go on a run and Derrick Henry to win Offensive Player of the Year. But I don't think they're going to cover this week. The line is three Broncos at Titans. I'm taking the Broncos. And it's for a lot of stuff that, uh, that, you know, that shows up in the margins. The fact that the Broncos are coming off the bye. They are more rested after the Titans played that grueling game against Kansas City. The entire Titans defense is on the injury list right now. Uh, on the, the not practicing or very limited. Jeffrey Simmons, very concerned that he's in a walking boot. He is the most important defensive player on that team. Worried about that. Worried about Ryan Tannehill. Didn't like the practice videos there. Uh, it didn't look like he could really uh, run. He was kind of lifting his feet like a centimeter off the ground as he was waddling to the huddle. Uh, a little bit concerned as well that Derrick Henry who showed up on the injury report last week, limited with his foot, 
hasn't practiced this week or at least hasn't been cited and only played 30 or 51 offensive snaps against Kansas City, though he did look pretty bloody good when he was out there. So just a few things swirling on the health front. Don't feel great taking Nathaniel Hackett against Mike Vrabel, who I think is the best coach in the NFL right now, uh, going up against maybe the worst. So that's a concern, but I just believe in this Denver defense and I'm taking them plus three in a low-scoring game. What's your look on that game? Well, you made a very strong case, and I think you're correct that the injury report for the Titans defensively is very concerning because at full strength, this is you know a fair line for me. But uh, if you kind of reduce them in any way, shape, or form, then all of a sudden this becomes a wide-open game. Um, three points, as long as you're getting the plus three at a, at a decent price point, I, I'm fine with that. But uh, I had kind of ruled this one out because of the uh, injury uncertainty. Yep, I like it. Well... That's my best bet. Hope it loses uh, because Derek Henry is, uh, he's the war and this is just one battle. But uh, yeah, go, go Titans kind of, go Broncos kind of, definitely go Raiders. And uh, also for all you college football fans that want some last minute betting insight, tune into our NBC Sports YouTube channel uh, Saturday at 11 Eastern as Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas and Eric Froton answer your questions prior to a slate full of week 11 games. But that is it from me, Jay Croucher. Drew Dinsick. Thanks again to Ken Barkley. Always fun talking NBA awards, our favorite topic in the Milky Way. Everyone, have a great weekend and good luck with your bets. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.